Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 29th of May 2016. It just hit me there that two weeks ago, doing the talk, I think it was snowing that day, and today it's a high humidity, uh, and partially sunny, heavily sprayed of course, and um, and the barometer of course is uh, way down. Uh, threatening rain perhaps later or thunderstorms and the humidity meter has just swung right around pretty well uh, to very 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 high humidity so it just shows you uh, all this weather control and spraying etc is having a tremendous effect more effects actually on just what you see and so what's fascinating to me too is the amount of experimentation that's been done on the public through many, many years. Again, I've said so many times, you've got to understand that you're living through constant propaganda to give you a reality. Constant propaganda. From the minute you can understand a single word, uh, in comes a propaganda to make sure you get the proper version of it, what it means, and so on. As you start stringing words together, nothing's by chance. Nothing's by chance. And uh, Jack C. Lull and many others have, have pointed out, philosophers have pointed out, uh, that you become what you're trained to be. Uh, and that's very, very true. It's always been that way, really. And, and how fictional stories, morality stories, are all done for a particular purpose, those who rule and what they want to achieve in the population. And then it comes down to uh, today's modern fiction that gives you political correctness, what to think, what to say, what not to say, what's bad thinking. If you're thinking about this, you're bad and you feel guilty, except it's all trained into you constantly. But then again, to all the, all the movies, I, I used to wonder why on earth the U.S. had so many movies about law and order out. And, and it's to give you a fake impression of the whole justice system and what it's all really there for. Uh, and how the cops, the certain cops in a movie or a TV drama, they can't sleep until they get the bad guy, you see. They just cannot sleep, for goodness sake. They've got to do it. And they're up all night, every night, you see. Uh, because that's, and that's why you're trained to think. Uh, it's never, you never see it the other side of it where uh, they all want massive promotion very quickly. They want to get up the top. They want to get up there, climb up there fast. And they really don't care who they convict or they don't convict. That's often what really happens, you know. I mean it's often, I'm not just making a, a sort of guess at that. There's been so many cases, even in Canada and in Britain and elsewhere, where guys have been in prison for years, 20 years or more, and then later DNA proves that they didn't do it. And then it comes out during the inquiry, well, so-and-so was told to get a, a fast conviction. They sometimes even put that in the fictional movies. Gets The big mayor comes on in the US, in the big city, and says, I don't care, get ahead. We just need to get ahead rolling here and, and make the public happy, you see. And that's how it goes. And in hospitals, too, same thing with hospitals. Jackson Law said that. All those dramas you see about hospitals are pure propaganda. To make sure that, number one, there's a different things to get out of it. Number one, uh, when you end up in hospital, you're totally in their hands and you succumb to it willingly. That's what they want to instill in you. Don't ask questions. Take what they give you. Do what you're told. Don't ask any questions. You see? And it's quite fascinating to see how well that's really, really worked. 
right to the inoculations. Oh, it's science. It's, you can't argue with science, I tell you. Till you look into the history of vaccinations. And it's astonishing to see that so many vaccinations are given out there and there's no backup uh, test done to see if any of them work. And I'm not kidding about that. I've given talks over many, many years on this, and, through, and it's in the archive section again, at cuttingthroughmedias.com. I won't look them all up for you because I don't have the time, never mind the life, uh, to, to go into all these things. But if you're interested at all, you can find them out. You can go into the, the archive section. You can go into history of vaccines and so on and, and do a broad check of it all. Go into the, the official statements because that's where you get any... Anything at all that comes out that, that actually shows uh, that a good percentage will come down with something rather negative after this vaccination. And that will show you too um, uh, that blind studies and so on may not have been ever done on it. So why do they keep giving it? Why do they keep giving it? Eh? <laughs> so many things you take for granted because you're trained to do so. And our system... And this is the thing too, a world that's supposedly now run by experts. And remember, some, some of the people who helped plan the system, literally 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 year plans, 100 year plans, they helped plan this system. Like Bertrand Russell, they wrote openly about it at one point, about population reduction training the public not to trust themselves or their own logic, but to simply believe in experts. No matter what the expert says, you will, they'll be trained to believe it, even if it doesn't sound logical. And that's where we are today. Oh, you can't argue with science. <laughs> and then again, uh, I think about a year or two years ago, I read an article too about... Uh, all the different little factoids they give you in medicine and various other uh, fields as well. And they say that most of these factoids are disproven with the next series of tests they come along with, you see. Remember that there's all, there's all these different groups out there and uh, private facilities with their hands out for grants for testing and retesting and doing their own studies, etc., etc., etc. And in fact, m- most of the drugs out there should be almost free. Because we, the taxpayers, fund them through the universities that will match up dollar for dollar any grant given to university uh, for the students to work on a particular problem and to do testing in a particular area in science, whatever it happens to be. And then when they find all it's fed up to the top, all, the, all this information to the private corporations, then patent something, and then they sell it to you, you see, at extortionate prices. That's how medicine really works. So, you've got to ask the questions. And, and don't just go into the anti-sites, you know, anti, I'm anti-this and I'm anti-that. Because remember, you can get fanatics on all sides. And you'll never come to a true understanding of anything if all you're listening to is fanatics. On any side, for that matter. You know, we have to get out of this Disney indoctrination of everything's wonderful and infantile forever basically, and understand how the world really is. And how, as I said a long time ago, uh, those who own nations and own now the world pretty well, never mind, corporations beyond your wildest dreams, how big they are, 
Many of them don't even know the corporations really are independent, separate corporations, or what, there's this one giant corporation with thousands of subsidiaries hidden through a myriad of different names. You don't know. But certainly it's working like that, as though it is. And the whole world is run as a business. That's why your, your nation, supposedly, its main purpose is to create more gross domestic product for this big business. Because that's how we're, we're graded today. Not about, not about how decent a country is or how decent a folk are. Or no, it's, it's the GDP, you see. And how much taxes are brought in from that population, you see. So you're all trained to go along with this, thinking it's all quite natural. It was there when you were born. It must be natural. And you fit right into it, you see. Cause no ripples. Go along with it. Enjoy yourself. It's not too bad. You can watch TV until you die, in fact. And that's all you have to pass on is your favorite TV shows to anybody that cares to ask you what life was like or what did you think. Well, you know, I used to watch this way back in 1970 and 1980 and whatever it happens to be. That's the wisdom now that they pass on to youngsters, if, if the youngsters even care you ask. And that's not how it used to be. Everything is a controlled system. Technically, it's a controlled environment, because everything around you is the environment, you see. The setting in which you live, your, how you're brought up, those around you. Uh, what comes into your environment, change something in your environment, you, changed, you change you. That's what they said a long time ago when they brought in the radio, and by goodness it worked. And then they brought in the television, same thing. <gasps> Folk rush home to watch their favourite cereal. What happens to the cliffhanger, you see? Does he hear fall into the ravine or does he, does he live? The cliffhanger. And, and that's how it's all worked out, to modify your behaviour. You bring school and pooh, you really modify behaviour. And you can shape all behaviour too through it as well. Peer pressure, you use that to the maximum in modern schools. You use peer pressure even in the old schools too, where it was, it was run like a, a military machine. Uh, you were lined up before you got into class in Britain. And uh, anybody who spoke, doesn't matter what kind of weather it was, pouring rain or, or snowing or whatever, you're lined up outside the schools, all in straight lines. Just like an army. And anyone who spoke, you see, when they said silence, caused everyone, supposedly, they were the fault. That's how they, you blame you to make you conform. You were the fault of, of them all having to stand for another five minutes in the pouring rain. Then they'd turn on you. So you always use the bulk of the population against the ones that don't conform readily, you see. Now it's be goody-goody in school, and whatever the, 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 the particular problem is you've been told to discuss, make sure you take the cues from the teacher to get the, the right answer, you see. Not what you feel or what you believe in, but that's what they want is the right answer. And if you don't give the, the, the answer they're all conforming to, you're, you're ostracized. There's something wrong with you. And they're taught just to shun you, the other students, you see. All these tricks are used. All these. A person with a different opinion on things really isn't welcome anymore. Now, getting back 
to this idea of you're part of a massive economic unit. You're a unit within the big unit, you see. Uh, you, they, 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 they work out, literally, in government agencies at the very top. And all these think tanks, they're, they're so-called employed by them, you see, using your tax money again. Massive money involved in it, too. But they do work out your, your DNA, you see, your family histories, all your histories of, of illnesses what you're prone to get, you see. They work it all out way in advance when you're a child, you know. Oh, you're going to be prone to this, this, and this, and you know, and, and uh, they even had movies out before about some, should we bump them off now or let them live a, a decent, you know, long-time life or whatever. But that's where it's coming down to right now. That's what it's all about. That's where medicine all is. Medicine's been there for a long time, genetics, you see. How do you really, really end certain diseases? It's very evident to me way back years ago that what they were driving at, what they were driving at, was the only way to do it was to nip it in the bud before it starts. They would sterilize people or literally, like, you know, bump, euthanize them, basically bump them off. That's what it's all about. And this stuff has been discussed long before I was born or you were born by big panels in eugenic societies. And they didn't disappear, by the way. They're still on the go. Because, as I say, on behalf of the masters above them, they have to keep an eye on all of us and decide, um, you know, what the quality of the, the present herd is. But you, they know you perfectly well. Perfectly well. And again, too, they've got you... Uh, it marked down when you're a child is how many productive years, barring accidents and so on, how many productive years do they think they're going to get out of you? Uh, how much could they tax you for over a certain period of your lifespan? This is how they work in advance what their income's going to be for governments. I'm not kidding you. And really it's for the big banks that own them already. The private the privateers, the true privateers, you know. That's how it really is, folks. It's been like that for an awful long time. But you're trained in the Disney type uh, of, of reality, and you don't want, you've been trained like Russell said. And he worked for the biggest and most authorized global institutions to bring the system in, and it's here. He said people will be trained to, to make them, to only do things that make them feel good. And only look at things that are pleasant, you see, and give a little chuckle, etc., escapism, and to avoid that which is unpleasant. Well, that keeps you, that makes you a perpetual child. And that's the intention. Julian Huxley, and I've got his speech read long ago up on my site somewhere in the archive section. And, and he, he talks about this quite openly, that we, we said, must knock man off his pedestal as being the supreme physical living creature, an intellectual creature on this planet. And so what they've got to do is devalue human life big time, big time. And you're here now, folks, here now. You have an X amount of value. Once, once that has been eaten up, by having to put money back out on you through the insurance companies or government or whatever it happens to be, uh, you know, a liability. Doesn't matter how much you put into it. 
You see, in farming, uh, they're quite honest about it. They can have cattle and so on. They're awfully good milkers. And if one of them gets injured or whatever, and they know it's going to be, uh, they could never really, they'll never get better or perfectly better. They'll simply get the, the beast slaughtered. It's called the beast. And again, too, you, it's very much like, it's a human instinct to, to dehumanize other soldiers, opposing soldiers in, in warfare. That's what we call, that's what in farming they call the animals beast. You see, you got to get the beast put down. Because it's easier on, on the human psyche to get something put down that you don't, you're, you're trying not to relate to. You see, it's quite interesting. But that's how the elite look at us too. Same way. Get them put down. And then, of course, the farmer will, will actually have that beast uh, taken off to be slaughtered. And they make money off it regardless. With us now, of course, with the big boys long ago, says, how can we make money off their corpses? And they're doing it too. I read the articles. They actually make a, for a fertilizer uh, out of it. And they uh, fill up the potholes near roads uh, with uh, the cremated ashes that's mixed with a kind of tarry substance to fill in the potholes. I read that article too. It's quite amazing. I didn't know it myself until I read it. And, uh, yeah, we have, we have many different uh, functions, you know. Uh, a profitability even after we're dead. You, you'll see nothing because you're dead, right? And once you're dead, you have no rights over anything. Because, like you see, you bring a corpse into court and fight, fight to their own case for can their parts be used or not, you see. doesn't happen. See, the folk who run the world, are, they're not like you. They really believe they are the creme de la creme. And I've met some of them. And they're, they're very open about the need, their need to cull off a good part of society. I mean, and it's, it, makes you, it bowls you over when some people with the power or the institutions they belong to have the power to actually do this. And here they are talking about it with, with perfect um, clarity, it seems, a perfect understanding of what they're saying. And with a form of, um, it's almost an anger the way they spit it out, that someone has to do it. And, and you think about what gives them the right to do it? What makes them so darn special? Well, they, they fit into the group, as I've said before, uh, that um, are exempt from it all as far as they're concerned, but they're not exempt from it. Julian Huxley said the same thing. Many will come, he says, uh, who've helped us in the lower, the lower orders, thinking they'll be saved. As, because he planned a massive call. And uh, he says, and we'll be turning them away. They'll, they'll find that they're not so uh, desirable after all to be, to be saved and brought into the new society. So everyone's used in turn, and uh, that's it. It's quite simple. That's the world we live in. So you have a, you definitely have a cost value on you. And it's amazing too in this world of, of you know of, of equality and democracy, how depending on what you do and, and how much money you've got and your income and your status, uh, how you'll be treated, uh, where it comes to resuscitation or whatever it happens to be, because you definitely are classed already into categories you will never know about. And I'll tell you another thing. Every hospital, 
uh, has, when you go through admissions, there's little panels and doctors are brought together, senior doctors, they're brought together. And they'll quietly discuss your treatment, or even if you're going to get no treatment, or whatever. And they'll also discuss on behalf of the hospital and their mandates how much they're going to spend on you. So all done on the quiet. Very secretive about this. But that's what they do. That's what they do. And Canada, for instance, and other countries too, they're all following the United Nations, World Health Organization's uh, push for... And don't forget, the World Health Organization is also attached to the World Population Council, which they call themselves now just the World Population Department. It used to be called Population and Depopulation Council when it was League of Nations. And, and, and their whole goal is to depopulate, bring down the numbers in the world, basically. And it's attached to the World Health Organization. You better think about these things awfully seriously. Because it's not crazy at all. There's a reason for it all. And they've given mandates to all the countries, uh, who are all following them, by the way, uh, for an economic care of people, and who's worth what and who isn't, basically. Of course, depending on your standing in community, again, as I've mentioned already, uh, it'll depend whether they're going to save you or not. How important you are, you understand. Mind you, too. It also means they're going to deny you the treatment they could give you if you're just too, like Russell said, better than Russell, those who wouldn't join them, the ones who could understand all this stuff, and who they'd throw uh, the different scholarships at when they realized these are bright ones who could vocalize things and communicate with other people, including the lower classes. If they won't join us, it says we'll have to eliminate them. It's a great place to eliminate people too, isn't it? Hospitals. Because it hasn't happened before. Really, look at the history of the folk who've jumped at hospital windows in the States. The important people, as you call them. Hmm? But someone's being a nuisance. Quite simple, just have them denied treatment. But never tell them, of course, during the process, that there's other treatment they could give you, but they won't. Now, <laughs> again, too, the same governments are supposedly saving money from all this stuff. Uh, are throwing you know, billions across the planet and for all kinds of weird things, uh, including wars as well, of course. Uh, and wars are tre- tremendously lucrative for the big companies involved in it. But they're not going to stop that. No. Efficiency. Efficiency. Everything must be done on behalf of efficiency. You see. You know, there's been a few movies out in the past that have some truisms in them, there's a lot of truisms in, in movies and, and real life situations, and I can remember again the psychological manipulations of, of people in the workforces going in and how psychologists were all brought on board and and they would come in on behalf of the owners who would want to, for instance, make things either more efficient or else have folk, long term employees laid off or just, you know well, rather than have them nasty conflicts and lawsuits going on, they wanted the, the people who were going to lay off just to accept it. Just to accept it. How do you do that? Well, you, you give them indoctrination increasing over a period of a few years that, that, that well, times are tough. We're going to have cutbacks. 
cutbacks, cutbacks. And then what you do is you start bringing in certain people to be to be fired or, or just laid off, you see. Uh, but but you, don't, you don't do it so as, as easily as that. What you do is bring the people in that you're going to fire and, and you, get them, you get them all to sign or write, write out um, a reason why they, they think they should be kept on working there. You see? But the, 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 again, like all arguments, uh, it's pre-planned in the questions. By the, by the guys who know what they're doing. Uh, and you'll take it on, well, I guess so, I guess, and take, before you know it, you just put yourself out of a job, and you, and you can't complain because you, you agree with them. You know, oh, I'm sorry, I guess I've been a burden here all along, I didn't realise. Oh. That's what they can do to your brain, and they've been doing that for a long time now. Get you, get you to accept your own demise. Because it's all your fault. And believe you me, that's what the hospitals do now too. Not kidding you. They'll try and find any other th- reason for your condition than the real con- uh, reason, you see. And then they, give some, they get themselves through WHO a reason for not treating you. Quite something, eh? But anyway, that's a deep subject and there's a lot more to it than that. Here's what they do too in hospitals, as you all know. I've done talks on this before, but here's more. And I'll put up tonight links to all the topics I mentioned. And for those who are interested, they can read it for themselves. Do not resuscitate, of course. And you get a basic idea of what it all means. Do not resuscitate while in the hospital. That's generally, generally what it means. And uh, the different countries and how they stand on it all. But they're all pretty well on board with it. Uh, even when the, they were doing it and the public didn't ever know about it, and then it started to leak out, they simply changed the terms they use for the patient or patients concerned. They call it, uh, it's, a, it's a no-code, a no-code. Do not resuscitate DNR. It's a legal order written either in the hospital or on a legal form to withhold the cardiopulmonary uh, resuscitation, CPR, or advanced cardiac life support in respect to the wishes of a patient in case their heart were to stop or they were to stop breathing. No code is a reference to the use of code as jargon for calling in a code blue to alert hospitals resuscitation team. Do not resuscitate requests is usually made by the patient or healthcare power of attorney and allows the medical teams taking, uh, taking them or carrying them to respect their wishes. Sometimes they put down allow natural death, which is A-N-D. This is a little abbreviation you'll see on the chart sometimes. Although now they tend to put it on the computer. <laughs> and uh, you won't see it. So um, it's got all the different terms that they've used as folk caught on to what it meant, you see. And it's got a whole list of alternative terms as well. Do not DNR, do not resuscitate, do not intubate is another one, which clarifies it to an extent. And also, um, do not attempt resuscitation, D-N-A-R. Uh, all these things that they keep changing it and changing it as folk catch on to what it means, you see. And they're given orders, and they comply with these orders, by the way. Think about it. They could. Now, if they had someone awfully important coming in, uh, they, would do, they would do everything possible to keep them alive and to get them well. And we know this goes on all the time. 
But again, we, we see we're we've, we're already <laughs> we accept all this, don't we? We accept the fact that that uh, you know the top characters you hear about, uh, they don't go into the hospital as you went to. Uh, they, I can remember reading an article back in the nineties, and it was it was astonishing to me at the time, uh, because it was to do with hospital care for politicians, and. All these stories came out from each country, got their own story, but never mentioned it was happening worldwide, you see, to all NATO countries and so on. But it was that all politicians and all the top civil servants would have uh, lifelong health care in special military hospitals. The states put a story up on it. Didn't mention any other country. Canada did their story on Canada, but in politicians didn't mention any other country. They all did it. I did a big, a lot of checking, mate. But yeah, they all did it. All the NATO countries. But you end up going into the the factory ones, you see. So yeah, it depends who you are. Different strokes for different folks. Now years ago. I read the articles on the air about Britain and other countries uh, putting this on without patients' knowledge. It was, going, it was all relative's knowledge that this was going on. And it quieted down for a while, you see. It was still going on, actually. But um, they just simply changed the, the terms they were using and so on, get them more secretive. And here's an article that came out fairly recently. It says tens of thousands of patients are having do not resuscitate orders imposed without their family's consent. An audit has found hospitals are failing to tell relations that they do not intend to attempt potentially life-saving techniques to save their loved ones, according to the Royal College of Physicians. And then he goes on to uh, this audit of 9,000 dying patients found that one in five families were not informed of the plans equivalent to 40,000 patients a year. There'll be a lot more than that too, but I guarantee you. And that's from the Daily Telegraph here it says. And it's also in The Guardian as well. So it says that, um, estimate that 200,000 patients each year were issued with the order for health workers not to attempt cardiopulmonary resuscitation. In 16% of cases, the study found there was no record of a conversation with the patient about the order. Uh, the audit's chairman, Professor Sam Amidze, told The Telegraph, when a decision has been taken, it's unforgivable not to have a conversation with the patient, if they are conscious, unable, or with the family. He also said doctors need to be more open with dying patients, as half, half of patients identified as likely to be dying were dead within a day. This is being done very late in the day, it says, as doctors, we just don't like to face up to it. Um, and it goes on and on. But that's one article, and there's many other ones too. And another one here is, um, where is this from? The Worcester News in England. It says, don't resuscitate orders being imposed without consent of families again. This is very similar. 20% it says, or one in five families were not informed of the plans. It's staggering, really, but it happens everywhere. It's not just in Britain. Uh, there's nothing I've found across the world that is truly independent. Every country, amazingly, goes into the same things on thousands of areas, actually, of life. Every day or every year, no doubt about it. Uh, 
at the same time, which means there's a coordinating force somewhere, isn't there? There's no doubt about it at all. It isn't just one starting off and itself and the rest of them sitting back and saying, well, let's watch this country and see how it does on this. We might copy them or whatever. And But no, it happens at the same time everywhere, often with different names for whatever it happens to be the, uh, that they're going to do. It's just a whole folk off, you see. And again, too, all, even these articles are intended to do different things to the patient or potential patients because eventually, cause see, they're, they're, they're all eventually go into euthanasia. That's really the goal, too. Remember what I said about bringing in, say, people in their late 40s, early 50s, and the corporations, getting them to fill out the yes-no questions, t- tick off the boxes, are you really um, this necessary for this, uh, this business to operate? Are you really pulling your weight? Are you able to blah, 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 blah? Get the patient themselves to accept, oh, well, yeah. And nothing really, you know. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Just, just let it go, you know. And don't even ask if there's anything else they can do. <laughs> or what would you do for the Prime Minister? Uh, well, there you go. That's how it is. Now, here's another one too. About what goes on. And, and how, again, how it's really... Oh, what can you say? Nothing comes out of the, uh, the media that, that's completely factual. You may get a little bit of truth. You get a massive spin regardless, because the media has always been um, an awfully essential part of controlling mechanisms. You see. So here we go into this now. This is in the early 1980s. I've been through this years ago. But understand, to understand anything, you've got to always go back and refresh yourselves, because everything's relevant today. In the early 1980s, about 2,000 Canadians were infected with HIV from tainted blood products. Many thousands more, perhaps as many as 30,000, were infected with hepatitis C at the same time. Also, um, 20 years ago today, the Privy Council, that's a private council, it's an interesting term for democratic institutions, eh? like, like the, the British Commonwealth countries, the Privy Council issued an order calling for the creation of a royal commission of inquiry. Now, royal commissions are what the governments, again, in the British Commonwealth, set up there to investigate real screw-ups, generally. Uh, and they go nowhere. They go on for years, but really go nowhere. Yeah. Everything's always inconclusive. But anyway, it's an inquiry on the blood system in Canada, better known as the Crever Inquiry, they called it, this judge they put in charge of it. Although AIDS was first reported in Canada March 27th, 82, it took three years for the Canadian Red Cross Society, which administered the nation's blood donation system, to start screening for HIV. But as Justice Horace Crever detailed in his 1,200-plus page report, the blame for what he called a nationwide public health uh, calamity didn't simply lie with one institution reacting too slowly to a deadly emerging disease. He found there was plenty of blame to go around. One of the key witnesses called by the Craver Commission was Dr. Don Francis, distinguished epidemiologist who was amongst the first to suggest that AIDS might be caused by an infectious agent. Dr. Francis recently sat down with George to talk about his life and work and so on. And that'll air later uh, that season, so it's out there somewhere, the actual interview that they had. Um, 
with this uh, guy. Anyway, it says, after months of hearings which include tearful statements from victims and years of investigation, you mean they did in years of investigations, eh? and legal wrangling over the commission's ability to name uh, names, they won't spend the money, <laughs> millions and millions that they spent uh, in the so-called inquiry. <laughs> they won't spend it in the hospitals on the patients. Yeah. They'll just die. Anyway, Justice Craver released his landmark report in 1997. It says he found that the relationship between the Red Cross and the federal and provincial governments was dysfunctional. And as a result, the country lacked a national blood policy. All millions and millions to find this out, eh? And the hemophiliacs had all died off in Canada. The, that lack of a clear policy found result in a series of disastrous decisions, including importing plasma collected from high-risk prison populations in the U.S., not using a test that may have caught as many as 90% of hepatitis C cases. They didn't use it. Uh, delaying the purchase of safer heat-treated blood products for hemophiliacs out of a desire to use up the potentially contaminated products. Well, we've got all this stuff, let's use it up. It might kill them, but it might not notice. You know. <laughs> and a failure to track down all those who might have been infected. It's all done deliberately. You don't make screw-ups like this, folks. Anyway, in the wake of the report, the Red Cross was stripped of its control over the blood program, and a new federal agency, Canadian Blood Services, was established to operate arm's length from the government, uh, except in Quebec. And so on. In 2001, the Supreme Court ruled the Red Cross was negligent in the early days of AIDS crisis, especially in comparison with how authorities in the U.S. dealt with emerging disease. And so on and so on. Then they went into tainted a, a new. They put plays out, and I'm saying movies out too, and reenactments of uh, tainted blood. You see, uh, and how all that happened and played. Mind you, have done far, far more uh, intensive interviews. I mean, talks on this far more intensive talks on this uh, in the archive section years ago. And here's some of the the older stuff too. Arkansas bloodsuckers, the Clintons, prisoners, and the blood trade. Yeah, because Bill Clinton was in it. <laughs> Became governor of Arkansas, old Bill, of course. The state's prison board awarded a fat contract to a little rock company called Health Management Associates, HMA. The company was paid $3 million a year to run medical services for the state's prison system, which had been blasted in a ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court as an evil place run by some evil men. <laughs> uh, HMAO uh, not only made money from providing medical care to prisoners, but it also started a profitable side venture, such as blood mining, they called it. That's what they called it. The company paid prisoners $7 a pint of their blood. The HMA then sold the blood on the international plasma market for $50 a pint. See, it's, that's Rothschild again, eh? You, know, you make your money when the blood's running in the street or from their arms as you're soaking up. <laughs> $50 a pint. The proceeds 50-50 with the Arkansas Department of Corrections. So there's their payoff. Everybody got money. The patients themselves got $7 a pint or the, the, the sources, I should say, the prisoners, and the rest of the money, uh, the, 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 the lion's share, as they say, was split 50-50 with the Arkansas Department of Corrections. Since Arkansas is one of the few states that does not pay prisoners for their labor, inmates were frequent donors at the so-called blood clinic. 
Harness of prisoners sold as much as two pints a week to HMA. The blood was then sold to pharmaceutical companies such as Bayer and Baxter International blood banks. Such as the, and by the way, Baxter International is one of the biggest vaccination producers, and you can imagine the vaccines. Such as the Red Cross and so-called blood uh, fractionalizers, who transformed the blood into medicines for hemophiliacs. Now everybody knew they had great documentaries out on this. Um, I'll put the links up for that night too, uh, because it's astonishing. They, they knew every step of the way what was going to happen. I really didn't care, which tells me that the higher-ups had, had literally had worked in advance the cover-up that would break out, even if they would need for the... For the and they weren't worried about it at all. Justice only occurs in the occasional movie, the fictional movie. And again, too, I remember watching a little clip on, it could have been CBC, one of the Canadian television stations, and uh, I don't know if it was, it was a big company, and you saw this guy who was one of the buyers for Canada at the time, who was confronted on some steps to his business. I don't, I don't know if it was, it was one of the big laboratories companies, you know, it could be in Conagra, somebody out there. Uh, and he said that when he was asked why he, he, he bought Tainted Blood, he says it was business. It was, it was cheap. <laughs> and you forget everything is business for them. We are the business, all of us, you know. Yep. No matter what you do, you're part of the business. And this is quite a lengthy article, I won't read it all, I'll just mention this, because it's so important that you realise what really goes on, and wisen up. Wisen up. Forget all your indoctrination through fiction, and Dr. Kildare, and all that rubbish, and all the stuff that's come on since, you see. <laughs> and it mentions in this article too, how the Clintons were involved in this through Leonard Dunn, who was a, a banker in Little Rock, who was to run this company, uh, HME it was called. Dunn's a political ally and friend of the Clintons. He was appointed by Clinton to sit in Arkansas Industrial Development Commission and serve as finance chair of Clinton's 1990 campaign. <laughs> and again, that company, uh, he, another company brought out of it too for the Clintons was the... It turned out to be the, the Madison Guarantee Savings and Loan, which achieved notoriety in the Whitewater scandal. Do you understand that some people are untouchable? Do you ever wonder about the Clintons? And you hear them say, oh, yeah, they'll all come out and go. And do you think they're going to go to court with all this stuff? Forget it. The Clintons were, <laughs> they were picked as teenagers for their roles in the world. They were picked long ago. That's how these folk are all picked. And the CIA protects them and keeps everything away from them. They could expose them. And they're not the only ones. Here's another article here too. And it's called uh, The Documentary Film About the Contaminated Hemophilia Blood Products. And uh, it's a good one too. It's worth watching. If I've got a link for that, I'll put it up. And also, Factor 8, the Arkansas prison, uh, prison blood scandal. Um, it says here is a feature-length documentary by Arkansas filmmaker and investigative journalist Kelly Duda. 
through interviews and presentations of documents. And Fuji Duda alleges that for more than two decades, for 20 years, the Arkansas prison system profited from selling blood plasma from inmates infected with viral hepatitis and AIDS. It contends that thousands of victims who received transfusions of a blood product derived from those plasma products, factor eight, died as a result. <laughs> now, let's jump from there to this part. Now, I've, read, I've mentioned before how Canada, at one point during World War II, led the world, or the Allies, you know, the all-lies one, Canada led them in bacterial Warfare. We were ahead of the game, uh, using all kinds of biological warfare, including the ticks that were bred to carry diseases, loading, made them special so they could carry a loading dose. And there was one bite of this darn thing that was going to definitely kill you down the road. It would transmit uh, more of the bacterium or viruses, or whatever it happens to be, to the victim, the target. Uh, the same thing goes with mosquitoes. Canada, I think, still breeds the biggest mosquitoes in the world. Uh, modified, of course, to carry more bacterium and, and uh, viruses to the target. They call it a loading dose. If you have, don't get enough to get into the body at once, your body might overcome it, you see. So you need a, a big enough dose, to, it's called a loading dose, to take off in your system. Now, I'm also going to put up uh, Deadly Allies. I mentioned it before the book about years ago uh, by a reporter from the Toronto Star newspaper and it's called Canada's Secret War 1937-1947 by John Bryden B-R-Y-D-E-N Deadly Allies is the main title subtitle Canada's Secret War and it was written in 1989 it's a book about Canada's Secret War from 1937-47 but also kind of extrapolates uh, up to 1989, a little bit, anyway, at least. And um, you'll find the great heroes in science, like uh, Professor Banting, uh, who's better known for insulin, you know, creating insulin and so on, experimenting with, with animals to create uh, something that would help diabetics survive. But he was also heavily involved in the uh, viral and bacterial warfare during World War II, or I think it was, or before World War II. But and then uh, a lot of his ideas were definitely put into into fruition for sure for the military-industrial complex. And then, then I'll put up a link to a later book for those who want to go into a later book on declassified stuff uh, from. Uh, definitely some part from the, 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 Canadian, uh, the Canadian establishment uh, to do with warfare and biological weaponry. Uh, but again, uh, this stuff is declassified. Remember, a lot of stuff is never declassified and never to be declassified, especially the testing on the, on the general population. Um, but there'd be so many exposés that came out from the U.S. <laughs> uh, on, on the testing that some of the U.S. military, while in Britain, had been involved in or, or seen happening to the British folk. Stuff getting sprayed and uh, basically carcinogenic stuff uh, over wide areas of, of England. A very long history indeed of governments testing all kinds of things out on their populations. I mean, Canada too had 
uh, years ago, I remember, there were some soldiers, ex-soldiers left you know, from World War II, maybe the, or the Korean War, somewhere, where they got volunteers, supposedly. And, and the Commonwealth country army is generally, when you volunteer, you're told to volunteer. And these guys literally had to walk across uh, grounds as we're getting sprayed, supposedly to test gear. And they're told, oh, nothing much will happen. You might feel a little tingly on the skin. And, and some of the guys eventually, there's about two of them left apparently years ago, and they met each other and tried to check up on their, their old um, mates in the army. They're all dead of cancers. That's common, that. Uh, every country's done that on their own on soldiers. Every country, Russia did it. Uh, I know that there was a great documentary done many years ago where they showed you in the U.S. and Russia the same tests going on with atomic warfare on their own troops at the same time and, and their own civilians. And just to go back again to the testing on the populations. Uh, I'll put up a link to the, the, I think it was Dugway sheep incident in the States, also called Skull Valley, where the U.S. military were spraying nerve gases that were deadly. Uh, supposedly, and one of the valves supposedly got stuck and just accidentally um, sprayed uh, thousands of sheep owned by a farmer whose family came down with the symptoms too, to an extent. I don't know, really, I'd really love to find out what happened to them, but um, the sheep all died, thousands of them. Mistake, of course, it was just mistake, but yeah, the, the military was testing out uh, deadly nerve agents, as they call them. And remember, it's, it's always a mistake. You don't make mistakes like this. You just don't do it. You don't do it. It doesn't happen. So we're all guinea pigs for the big boys to make sure that they survive, of course. And that really is the way of it. That is the way of it. Have you ever, ever, ever heard of any of the top elites coming forward to show us by example the way and committing suicide? No. Have you seen any of those in academia coming forward and doing it? No. The ones that are telling you to do it? No. Hmm. And you won't. Well, that'd be the first little clue that you're being conned about something. But they'll give you all kinds of trained sympathy when they want you to do it, oh, you've been so good, and you may even get a mention on television for your area. You know, the old Soviet system used to have little quips about the, late, the local workers, you know, and the, the best worker of the week and so on. Because you're all working for the greater good of society by having nothing yourself. But you felt so good about it. The change from the reality of what you were doing and the reality of getting pretty well nothing out of it to make you feel proud of it that you were starving yourself and so on all for the greater good that's a great trick that isn't it well you can use that same trick in everything else can't you well I'm going to eliminate myself and use less resources because I wouldn't be, would be around to use them so I'll be, I'm helping the planet you become a martyr, a relig- and the new religious martyr, the greedy martyr. 
And if they can just get the public to go ahead and do that, at least sterilize themselves. You've already had some youngsters at school come forward with their brainwashing and, and saying they would like to get sterilized to save the world. But I haven't seen any elite doing that, or their children. Never heard of it. And I don't think I will. I won't hold my breath. You understand, if everyone really knew all this stuff, and everyone really felt what it meant to them and everyone else around them, uh, the system wouldn't be, exist anymore. It would just poof, collapse. That's why your indoctrination has to be so incredibly almost perfect, and for most folk it is. And they know all this by, by your chatter, on electronic chatter. Every day they collect it all from everyone. To, to your, it's put on your personality profiles and added to every day. And you help them, you see. They've got, you've got to be predictable. That's so important. Now, once you have all of the, the, the previous things completed, and so abortion started off the, again, what Julian Huxley said, we've got to knock man off his pedestal as a supreme human being and life is so sacred, etc. They've done all that. So we kill off the, start off with abortion and then you say, well, let's go for the really, really elderly and withhold things from them. And, and it's because after all, they've got no use anymore. They're consumers only. And then you go into euthanasia. The goal a long time ago was euthanasia, you see. Efficiency. Get, get all, rid of all the dead weight, all the dead wood. Get, get rid of it, you see. Efficiency. The world's a business, right? Here's a recent article, Bill C-14. Um, members of Parliament expect to vote on assisted dying Bill C-14 last week of May. CBC News. And then another one to um, Neil Godbout's Bill C-14. It's overly cautious, but a good start. It's a good start, you see. Overly cautious, see. Yeah. And then uh, this other one too. Death, Dignity and the Albany. This is in the US one, I think, too. So see, it's happening across the board all at the same time. Death, And it sounds, you know, there's no doubt about it. I don't believe anybody should force anybody who's really suffering with a terminal disease, really suffering, and they want to die. Uh, leave them alone. See, they've found ways in the past to always deal with things like that. You see? But it's their, it's their decision. Bring government in, and now you've got a real problem. And you, when you bring government in, where the physicians themselves are really just uh, pumped-up bureaucrats who work for the government, because that's what they are now under national health care systems. I hope you understand that. Uh, now you've got a problem. You better believe you've got a problem. But um, they're all at it the same way. We know that Holland, I think, was the first test base to get it all. That's all used to the idea. And there's been some horror stories come out there already of folk being killed who didn't want to be killed. One of them was a nun. <laughs> he just didn't want to get euthanized. They did it by mistake. So they claim... Quite something, yeah. Quite something. You know, it was exposed years ago how 
in China, they were selling organs to the world from prisoners. You put in your, be putting your order for you, give your DNA type and so on. Put in your order and tell them what you needed, and they would come up awfully quickly, amazingly, with a perfectly good um, uh, liver, or it could be another organ, you know, and. Um, Big, big bucks, of course, big bucks, big money in it, you see, as I see, there's big money off the dead and dying and all the rest of it. And um, we got kind of used to that. And even had mobile vans that would do it. You bring the prisoner in, bump, and, and let me remove the organ right there. In Holland, once we got us used to the idea, you see, then they had little vans. I read the article years ago. They were coming to the house, the terminally ill patient, you see. This is a verdict, terminal, you know. So as soon as you say that, you say, oh, well, it doesn't matter if they kill him. See how, you, how your mind starts to go along with it. Getting back to what I said earlier, folks. You're working in a corporation. They give you the form. Why I should remain at my job? And there's all your questions there until you put yourself out of business. Well, I guess you're right. I guess you should beat me and humiliate me and I should walk away in shame. Yeah, that's how you do it, isn't it? Works awfully well. Psychology, psychology, behaviorism. So in a way, as I say, you've always got this folk who have been so brainwashed with, well, there's too many people, too many people. I've gone through all that stuff before. Yeah, there's too many people, but, but, if there's too many people in the world, why do they keep bringing more into your country that has been obeying all the rules? You're having, having less children. Well, there's not enough of you anymore to pay off the national debt. Order out of chaos. Create the chaos. Chaos is going to happen when there's no logic to you. It's stuck in the middle. That's what's intended to do, folks. That's what's intended to do. Anyway, I won't harp on too much tonight. As I say, my throat's getting a bit sore anyway. But... Um, as I say, think Just think for yourselves That's all I've ever told people To try Or ask them to try Just think for yourself Unfortunately, generally they'll come back With a, something that, that's just by rote Something that's been, been indoctrinated into them But they, they don't, it shows they can't think for, They're not thinking for themselves Mind you, it, it takes a little bit of energy To think for yourself from Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada. Heavily sprayed, of course, since this was one of the first areas where the sprayed us. was here. In fact, the old story from that, from the, the area towards uh, Manitoulin, uh, this is where these strange infections first broke out of fungus and fit massive. By the way, it doesn't matter how your immune system is, good or bad, for her getting it. Doesn't matter how old you are either. For her getting it. This has nothing to do with the heavy spraying of, of the test areas in this area, because this is a, also a test area. Heavily, more sprayed than most areas is, is around here. But I think it was um, Espanola that first happened. Read the story of what happened in Espanola. With the low level initially, years ago, back in the 90s, sprayed the whole area, and suddenly people in the area, and... Animals in the forest were having miscarriages, pneumonias, death. Hmm. They were U.S. planes, by the way, because they were much lower, and the residents had a uh, complete idea of what it was. 
But again, reality doesn't matter, is it? When big governments rule. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada is good night. I mean, your God, your God, school with you.